My name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Bryant McDowell. And I'm Molly Keck. And we're with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service Department of Entomology, and this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape. Welcome back to Bugs by the Yard. On this episode, we are going to be covering insect galls. Well, actually galls in general, because not all galls are caused by insects. So for those of you who, I don't know, just have never paid attention, I guess, uh, galls are going to be abnormal growths that can be found on all different kinds of plants. And they can be on the leaves, they can be on the twigs, they can be on flowers, they can be actually on the roots as well, which you probably don't see those unless you're digging your plant up. And they are caused by irritation or stimulation of the plant cells from different types of insects like aphids, midges, wasps, beetles, also mites, uh, different types of bacteria, fungi, and nematodes. And when we're talking about galls in relation to insects, they are actually a home for the insects themselves. And that is where it develops. And also that is where it feeds. So that gall is essentially protecting it from environmental conditions. When we're talking about gall producers, they actually will show a preference to particular plants, but they can, essentially they would be able to do it on any plant, but a lot of times they will have certain types of plants that they will prefer to lay their eggs on. And I found it mind boggling. There are more than 2000 types of insects and mites and whatnot that can cause galls on plants. Are the galls ever harmful to the plants? They can be. Yes. Okay. There was one, the grape phylloxera, which actually almost wiped out the grapevines, like the vineyards in France at one point. Really? Yeah. So what they did to go around, these are actually root galls that will kill the plant eventually. And so what the vineyards did in France is the American stock of grapevines is the, the root stock there is resistant to this particular type of growth. And so they took that root stock and then grafted their vines onto it because that's actually what gives the quality of the grapes. And so they got around the, the problem of the grapevines being destroyed by using different root stock. But most galls are not a problem there. Of course, there's also the, we just mentioned the grape phylloxera, but there's also one that attacks pecans that can be a problem. There's also an insect that makes galls on wheat that can reduce the production of the actual wheat that they get off of the crop. And then there's also some mites and midges that can cause problems on fruit trees and roses. And the only other real issue with galls, I mean, because it's mainly, it's Aesthetics. not producing yield. It's just kind of making the plant look weird. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think it makes it look a little bit more interesting. They're kind of almost like art, but it's it's more if you are a 
grower or a nursery and you have that on your plant and people are looking at it and it looks unsightly and then you, it's damaged stock at that point. And so it would be difficult maybe to sell those as opposed to something that is pristine. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting a pristine plant from a nursery, then my concern is what are they spraying on that plant? Yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of stuff. Yeah. And galls can, um, well, at least from what I've seen there, and I mentioned it last time too, so many different shapes and sizes, yeah. textures. Yes. I mean, colors. Uh, there's colors, yeah. uh, like shapes. They can be round, oblong, egg shaped, spindle. There's ones that look like little uh, Coke bottles. Uh, there's oh, one funny. that they actually look like a pine cone, but it's on like a willow tree. So if you see a willow tree that looks like it has a pine cone, that's actually a gall. Yeah. Some of the little raspberries to me are like a black. Yeah. But, and then colors, you know, red, yellow, green, black, they're just very, and some of them have multiple colors. There's some that are like a peachy and yellow at different points of the gall. And it's, yeah. It blows my mind because they they're produced by the plant, but they look nothing like any part of the plant. Like it just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's just so weird to me. And size also varies. I mean, if you think about it, there's some that are, you know, tiny, like a 16th of an inch, but then there's those big chonker ones that get on the twigs and branches that can be like two inches or so. So it's kind of all over the place on these. And I wonder if it's like the location um, like I've noticed the larger ones tend to be like at the base of the leaf or like on the stem. Yeah. But I, don't, I don't know if there's anything to that, but. There are also uh, what they call closed or open galls. They're going to be one or the other. So closed galls obviously are closed and they stay closed. And these are going to be galls that have insects that they have chewing mouth parts as adults. And so they essentially have to chew their way out. So if you've ever seen the oak galls, excuse me, the oak galls that are, I don't know what they, they look like almost like chocolate malt balls. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Little bitty ones. They're kind of, sometimes they're a little reddish. Yeah. And they'll have that little circle. So that is where your insect is emerging. So, you know, they chew their way out of that. If you find them when they're still closed, I always tell people, put them in a jar, close up the jar Cause pretty, not pretty soon, but eventually you'll get them coming out and then you'll be amazed at how tiny they are. T, 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 tiny. <laughs> and the open galls are going to be for insects that don't have chewing mouth parts. So if you think about like phylloxera or whatever, those are going to, or the, um, on our other podcast, we talked about the hackberry psyllids okay. that have piercing sucking mouth parts and those come from a gall. So any of those insects, they have to be in the open galls and those ones at some point, since they can't chew their way out, they will actually split open in some part of the gall. And then that actually allows emergence out of those uh, particular areas for those insects. Oak galls, (laughs) oaks are apparently extremely susceptible (laughs) to insects. I read that they host over 500, 500 different types of um, wasps, aphids, midges, and mites that can create galls. Crazy. 
no wonder people always panic when they look at their oak tree and they're like, I have these weird growths. It's like, <laughs> yeah, what is it? I haven't the slightest idea. It can be anything at this point. But how a gall is made, this, you know, because people, this is always the thing. So essentially, when we're talking about galls that are created from insects, they are going to typically, so it's a female insect and she's using her ovipositor, which is the fancy term for the egg laying structure. And during the spring and summer, when there is growth occurring on the plant, they insert that ovipositor into the tender growing parts of the plant and they will deposit their eggs in that plant. And then they also inject a chemical at the same time that will actually start to make the gall grow. Oh, okay. Making a space for that insect to develop. And then once the immature insect hatches out of the egg, it will start exuding the same chemical to make sure that that gall continues to grow so that gall gets larger to fit the size of the developing insect or whatever that's in there. I did not know that. I thought it would just made that size around this little egg and it fit in there, but that's, that is really cool. But the, there's also, it doesn't necessarily have to be an ovipositor being the stimulus. Like, aren't there mites that will, that will jump and cause galls and there's nothing in there. It's just like a, a weird texture on the plant. Or is that not considered a true gall? It can be caused by irritation. Mm-hmm. Like if they're doing something like, I don't know, like rasping or, you know, with chewing or, or jumping. Yeah. So that can cause irritation and that can lead to the plant stimulating something to grow at that point. But when we're talking about a lot of the insects, they are injecting something specifically to create essentially a home for their offspring. Okay. Yeah. I I think both in both cases, like it'll upregulate the growth hormone in in the plant. So it's like an an overgrowth. And I think, well, typically it's going to happen earlier during that growing season. So like when, when a tree or rose bush, yeah. actively growing. Yeah. Some of the stuff that I was reading, they're actually, they equate the growth of the gall, the way that that happens with cells. It's very similar to what happens in humans when we get cancer cells. Oh, cool. They're, They're kind of studying that to see if they can apply it to ways to manage cancer, which interesting. I don't know if they've made any leeway in that, but We'll see. It's it's a very similar process. The other thing that the insects inside of the gall can do, they may also not only secrete a chemical to make the gall grow bigger, but they also can have another chemical that will change the starch from the plant into a sugar. So they have a food source. And that can lead to like a whole nother set of things because the sugar is then very similar to honeydew that's excreted by certain types of insects. And so then there are ants that can come in and chew on the gall to get to that sugary sweet stuff. And so there's this whole big 
thing that goes on with that as well. The big categories when we're talking about, I'm going to say arthropods at this end point instead of <laughs> insects, uh, because a, a big chunk of these that happen that happen to create galls are actually mites. And these are the ereo-fitted mites. And these are little tea tiny, very weird looking mites. If you saw them, you might not even know that they are a mite because they are, uh, well, they're white in color and they're not oval like a lot of mites are. These are actually kind of like cigar or sausage shaped and they only have two pair of legs. So they are really only, only two. Yeah. I mean, and they're just like, they're chubby at the front. Oh, yeah. They're, they're very strange looking, but they kind of look like Demodex mites. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they're not really ones that you would be able to see with the naked eye, unless you've got like super eagle eye eyesight. Cause these are really microscopic, really, really tiny. <laughs> But these will create typically pouch galls, which, you know, we're, we're going to be really creative when we name things. So these are descriptive names. A pouch gall is essentially a pouch or a depression that is on the leaf surface. And then they have another one called an eroneum gall that actually it looks like, oh, I don't even know. Kind of like a little, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it. it. It's like a little cone-like shape. It has these little hair thingies that come off of it. It's like a a little red worm trying to make its way out of the leaf or something. Is that the same one? Yeah. It's just, I don't know. They're kind of like maybe finger-like, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I found found a a website that calls them finger galls. Oh, hey, there you go. Finger-like. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, those are kind of bonkers. Those those I can see why people would be like, what is happening to my plant? Yeah, they look really strange, especially with like the hairs on them and the colors can change because a lot of them will go like green and then they start getting kind of red at the tip and they just look, yeah. I don't know, like it's infected or something. So the next group are going to be midges. So these are going to be in the order Diptera with like flies and mosquitoes. And the family here is Cessio, wait, Cessidomyidae. There we go. And these, you know, they're quote unquote, this is what normal humans are going to call gnats. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> every small fly is a gnat. But even tinier than that, they're like, are these, um, so is the sorghum midge a gall, one of the gall making midges? Is that why it's so damaging to know. sorghum? I didn't even think about looking that up. Somebody look that up. I will. I don't know. But these are going to be small, less than a quarter of an inch. They're kind of light brown to black in color, and they've got really long, long legs and obviously two wings. But these are going to cause a variety of galls. They have galls on the buds. So those, those are called bud galls. We have blister galls that look like blisters leaf spot galls that obviously are on the leaves and look like spots. <laughs> and then we have vein pocket galls, which are also going to be on the leaves, but those are near the veins and they look like a little depression in there. 
Yes, sorghum midge is a gall midge. There we go. So it makes a gall on sorghum? Oh, I was just going to say it's not. Oh, you were going to say it's not? <laughs> yeah, I'm on... Um, I'm on... Uh, Sorry, that that was a not a uh, university-based website. Let's see. Well, it's saying like on our AgriLife thing, they feed, they lay their eggs and they feed inside the kernel. So that wouldn't be a, a gall. Oh, I guess, yeah, technically not a gall then. So they're just eating inside of the sorghum, not... Well, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, it's weird because, so Cicido... Cicidomyids. <laughs> there you go. The common name for that is a uh, gall midge, but um, the the um, the sorghum midge is in that family, from what I'm looking. Uh, at. Oh, <laughs> I wonder if they're using the word gall in kind of a broader sense there, uh, that they're just kind so. of encased in something, and they're using yeah. the kernel Feeding of sorghum plant, as yeah. the gall in that case. Feeding within plant tissues. Then we also have, not to be outdone, the gall wasps. And <laughs> most of these are going to be in the family Cynipidae. And there are actually some sawflies that can cause galls as well. Those are another hymenoptera that are different from the other hymenoptera in that they have a broadly joined thorax and abdomen, whereas most hymenoptera have that constriction. So gall wasps are mostly cynipidae, some sawflies, and there are also some calcid wasps in there as well. So typically when I think of calcid wasps, I think of parasitoids that are laying their eggs in other insects and actually are beneficial because they're controlling those insects because they're developing larvae are eating those insects from the inside out. The gall wasps are the ones that tend to be most common on oaks. So if you have an oak tree in your yard, then you probably have plenty, like I said, over 500 <laughs> different species <laughs> of insects on there. Probably have some galls on there somewhere, but the gall wasps are going to be fairly common on oaks. But they can also get on roses, maple trees, and other plants. And with these, the galls can really be on any part of the plant, which I'm trying to think, and I've never seen galls on roses. Yeah. I also, I was trying to think, I've seen them on leaves, I've seen them on branches. I don't think that I have ever seen any on flowers. Yeah. Or if I was if, wondering what that looks like. If you did, you would think it was like just a deformed growth from like thrips or something. Yeah, that might so be maybe that we I have something and I had no idea what it was. Ah, uh, yeah. So I Googled uh -huh. just flower galls. It looks like after a rose has like spent, but there's still a couple oh. of petals on it. Yeah. I see some here where it's like in the pollen part of it. Yeah. There's like a weird growth on there. And the image that I'm looking at, has, it, it's like it still has little mini flower petals that want to come out. Yeah. Oh, it's trying so hard. <laughs> oh, wow. Huh. Yeah. That's, that looks really odd. That's crazy. yeah. Mo momentary break while we all look at. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> we all got distracted there. Squirrel. Yeah. Pictures. Something that I found very charming in my research is that, 
you know, because we're always like, oh, you know, the gulls, they're so ugly and blah, blah, blah. If you can't appreciate the gulls from them looking weird and funky and interesting in their own right, the empty gulls. So once the stuff has emerged out of whatever the gall is, other insects will use that as habitat for overwintering. Isn't Aww. that adorable? It is actually. <laughs> Reading, there's actually a type of wasp that will use galls on goldenrod as a nursery for their oh. babies. And they'll actually, they'll lay their eggs and provision inside of the gall and then they plug up the opening with like mud. And I was like, oh, it's so cute. I don't know why, but I feel like this should be a Disney movie. It <laughs> should. Oh my goodness. Right? They can do a spin like the, the, what are those little ant girls that, what the flower something girls, what were they called? I can't even remember, but the little like fake Girl Scouts in A Bug's Life, you know, they can go, they can go on like a little troop adventure. They can find some of these and they can overwinter in a gull and (laughs) survive the winter. That would be fantastic. So as we mentioned before, galls really aren't a huge problem for the most part, other than the exceptions that we talked about. So typically infested plants are rarely killed by gall makers. It can just make the plants unsightly if you, I don't know, don't like the look of galls, I guess. And so we really, I I don't really tell people that they need to control galls if it's, especially if it's on their oak tree. I mean, usually the people that call me about galls on their oak tree are people that just moved here. <laughs> well, not, no, no. Every year I have people that call and say, what are these on my leaves? The, the leaves all fell off the tree. And I think this is what caused it. And I'm like, every year though, every year your oak tree will push out the old growth to make room for the new growth. And I guess one and one makes two and my leaves fell down and there's weird things on my leaves. They must've made it happen, but I'm amazed. It's like you talking about the hackberry psyllids, how people haven't figured it out yet. I'm just amazed at how forgetful we are. You know, like what happened last year? We forgot all about it. Oh, it happened again. Dang it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But also like you say, I don't think people need to treat for it. How would they though? Because you can't control when they're going to lay their eggs in that stuff. You'd have to You have to fine tune the timing. And I'm telling you right now, if you are listening to my voice, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, I cannot give you a date that you would need to treat your tree to have a pesticide on there for when these insects are coming in to lay their eggs, because it's going to be based on environmental conditions and weather has been so wacky the past couple of years in Texas that I wouldn't even know where to begin. To be quite honest, I just, I mean, last year it could have been in December. I mean, it was like 90 degrees in December. So I I don't know. It's not on a calendar date. It's going to be based on environmental conditions and I don't have the information. So that would be one way that you could treat for them. But is that really what you need to do since they're not causing long-term damage to your tree? Should you be putting that pesticide out? especially if we're talking about a mature oak tree that's really big and 
not really going to be damaged. It's not justified. I don't, I don't even think that if you're a grower in Texas, you can do anything about it either. If you were up North and temperatures are much more consistent and you, you know, like, you know, when about the last freeze is going to be, or when things are going to warm up or just, it, it's not this up and down, up and down where we might freeze at night and then be 80 degrees again, that messes everything up. But where temperatures are more consistent, you can do like, there's a term for it, right? Like Degree days. Yeah. Degree days. Yeah, there you go. But we don't have that because we're Texas. The other option I would think would be to, well, you could prune the galls off depending depending on how many you have. On <laughs> You'd the have tree. a bald tree after it's all over. I <laughs> have a tree afterwards. But um, so that is another option if possible or feasible. Um, and then if they're on the leaves, you know, cleaning up the leaves and bagging them and getting them off property that way, when those things emerge out, then they wouldn't, but usually they're emerging out beforehand. So I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, just, there are ways that you can try, but I don't think that you're going to be able to avoid them personally. So galls are not all bad. There have been benefits to various galls as well. A lot of the galls are going to have large amounts of tannic acid in it. And tannic acid has been used in various medicines, insecticides, and the big category that it is used for is permanent ink. So there is a gall called the Aleppo oak gall that was used by monks for centuries as ink before we started having synthetic dyes. And so that is beneficial. So are they mashing down the actual gall to like ooze out the yeah. color? Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then it's kind of like the, when we did the cochineal yeah. thing, you know, you had the, you dry it out and then you grind it up and then you mix it with whatever substrate to create your dye. There's another gall called, and this is a fantastic name, the mad apple gall. <laughs> and that one creates a scarlet dye called turkey red. Oh, wow. Which I don't know. Where, I don't they're, know if the turkey is like the bird turkey or the country turkey. From their I'm gobble, not sure. Their, what do they call the thing? Maybe. Like it's real red. Their waddle. Is it a waddle? waddle. Their waddle. Because <laughs> that's super duper red, isn't it? Because it's like a, it's like a deeper kind of orangey red from oh, when I, I wonder if you it. can find those in the oh, angry orchard. I'm so wrong I just <laughs> I just googled turkey red and it it's a it's a color um that originated in India or Turkey so it's a so it's not oh so it's yes. the country uh, sorry but they use that one to dye rugs and fabric huh. so yeah that like I said you know we can take anything and give good things and bad things on it. <laughs> so cool. And then I was reading that they are also, apparently galls are high in nutritional content, but they are inedible. Because huh, they're so, because they <laughs> taste so bad. I'm assuming because of the tannic acid that it makes like, it like really nasty and gross. But apparently there are people that will harvest different kinds of galls and feed them to livestock. Oh, and they can tolerate because, it, I guess. Yeah. And they'll deal with the. So I, that kind of makes sense though, because if it's a growth of the plant and the plant's putting all this 
you know, energy into making this thick, weird thing, then it's probably chock full of, of whatever. It's putting all the good stuff there. There is a whole, if, if, if you really want to geek out about galls or you're very concerned about your oak tree, there is an entire book, like a field guide on galls specifically. Cool. So I'm assuming that it has a picture of the gall and it tells like, you know, it's such and such and it's caused by this. I don't have it because again, I really don't care much about galls on plants. I think they're cool, but I don't care what causes yeah. it. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not like economically significant. It's not, yeah. impo- it's not important. It's just interesting. But if, if this particular podcast has piqued your interest, just be aware there is a book specifically on this topic that you can find out all the information and then you can track us down and let us know everything that we got. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I'm sure we did. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for this episode of Bugs by the Yard. We hope that you are having a good day and we will catch you next time.